0: writes in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8, near the end of his life, he's about to die, and this is what he has to say. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Today, if we look around the sanctuary, we can remember people who used to sit in their various chairs that no longer sit there. We know that some have gone on to glory, but we also know that some of the people have chosen to leave the race. Likewise, in our initial walk with Christ, when we first come to him and we have that saving grace, we get all excited. We feel new. And we really, it's a life changer We boldly accept the Lord, how we submitted to water baptism, and how we enthusiastically jumped into serving the king, Jesus. But the truth is, for so many Christians we know, the enthusiasm has long gone. They no longer have the zeal. It's all part of the past. Somewhere in their walk with the Lord, we've left our commitments to serve and to shine for Him. Have you ever heard of spiritual retirement? This is often uh, defined as a temptation to cease from church involvement and spiritual responsibilities when we get near retirement age. There's no such thing in the word. Nothing. We, we serve and we honor and we shine for the Lord until the day he decides to take us. Abraham was 75 years of age when God promised him a child. And guess when it was fulfilled, when he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Imagine carrying that baby. Moses was 80 when God spoke to him at the burning bush and called him to lead the nation Israel. Daniel was probably around 80 when he was thrown into the lion's den. And when the apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, he was about 90. Verse 6 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, I live without reservation. And that he's being poured out like a drink offering. He's actually speaking about an Old Testament ritual that accompanies certain sacrifices. When the offering was being consumed by fire, the worshiper would sometimes pour a drink offering of wine upon the burning sacrifice. All the wine would be poured out And as the wine hit the burning coals, it evaporated and a sweet smell of aroma would go into the air. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have to learn to live with resiliency. There's going to be ups and downs. Can we all agree on that? Are there times we feel so close to the Lord that he's right there with us? And other times we, we may feel lost. And where is the Lord? Or or maybe someone has let us down and we feel just out there by ourselves. But thankfully we have a Lord that always can pull us back and always can give us new hope. Hey, we should name a church that. 2 Corinthians 6, 4-5, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonment, and riots, in hard work, sleepless night, and hunger. You see, Paul knew something that a lot of Christians don't know. A lot of Christians, when you talk talking about your life as Christian, you go, oh, it's wonderful, God has given us so much. It is such a peaceful life. It is such a great life. Well, Paul didn't see it that way. Paul knew that to really live the Christian life, there were trials, there were temptations, there were people out to get you, people out to hurt you. It's a fight, it's not an invitation ease, Paul said. And yet I'm still excited to be here this morning because just like the Lord had a plan for Israel, guess what? He has a plan for each one of us here this morning. It's Sunday morning, October 19th. And God is calling every single one of us in this sanctuary to something greater than ourselves. Stay faithful to the Lord because it isn't over until God says it's over. Our word from today comes from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is near the end of the Old Testament, one of the latter books. And it's chapter 37. And God has brought Ezekiel into a valley and in this valley are, are a great many of dried, dead bones. As far as the eye can see, nothing but dead, dry bones. God asked Ezekiel, Can these bones live? And then God gives his prophet, a message to deliver to this mountain of dry bones. you understand what I just said? God has told Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these dead bones. Sometimes it's hard enough to speak to a living body, isn't it? But God says, I want you to prophesy to these dead bones in this valley. I will put breath in you And you will come to life, then you will know that I am the Lord. So let's look at it. Verses 1 through 14. Ezekiel says The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely. I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesying say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel then you shall know that I am the Lord God when I have opened your graves. O my people, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Today, especially today, is so much different than it was 30, 40 years ago. I remember my dad working, and if he had to work two or three jobs to keep us taken care of, he did it. I was a costly little poke, and and my dad took I know one extra job just to pay the insurance premiums to keep me taken care of, not to mention the other three kids. And both my sisters had expensive tastes, so he would work up to three jobs. And yeah, you know, I always remember my dad being there for us when we needed him. He wasn't a a gone father. It Seemed like he was there, like he was always like to me Superman. Today, it's not quite the same with a lot of fathers. It's a lot. It's a lot different. Working doesn't have the same meaning as it did twenty, thirty, forty years ago. It just it just doesn't. There there's. There's uh, something in our culture today that's changed. We put a, a great premium. People love to start things today, don't they? How many have had their little kids, oh, dad and mom, I want to join this sport, or I want to join this club, and what happens just a day or two later? When a sport they pick, they want, to, want the kids exercise too much, the kids, mom ah, mom, dad, just too much ask. Kids get excited about so many things and so many things to do and yet so many kids give up or quit. Can anyone relate to that? We have become a society where it's all about starting the race but there's no finishing the race. Is that true? I, uh, after my brain surgery, my niece was going to college at San Diego State. She was going to become a doctor, so she had started there. And then she realized she wanted to be a judge, so then she left there and went to some... Anyways, but in, in California, I say they're really her rich relative's house. And they lived a uh, big mansion, and I'll never forget my first drive into Hollywood, California... And I kid you not. I went to at least two or three jewelry stores. And then the front of the windows, at least two of them had the sign in the front of the window. I kid you not. We rent wedding rings. I, I didn't even understand what that meant as, a, as an adult. But they actually said, we rent wedding rings. That's a sad case, isn't it? kind of sad. But I want everyone here to think about something in your past that really captivated you. It it took all your time. You want to do nothing but that and be that and be with that or do that. All your enthusiasm, all your energy you put into it and now it's something you don't even think about anymore. It's just part of my past. But that love and zeal is gone. Now I want you to think back to when you came to the Lord. I want you to think back to that moment when you realized that you were a filthy, dirty sinner and that you're going to go to hell and you found the saving grace of Christ and that day that you accepted him and he came in your heart. I know what it's like for me. But then... In our Christian life, we have that tendency to to really emphasize our initial walk in the Lord and tell that story. Because it's usually a great story when we come to Christ, isn't it? Most people have a really great story when they come to Christ. And we love to talk about that. How we first boldly accepted Him, how we submitted to Him in water baptism. how we enthusiastically jumped in to anything and everything we could do to serve him and help him, how we got busy in the church, how we got busy loving people and serving him and honoring God. But then the truth is that for so many of us, since that day, what happened to our enthusiasm? What happened to our zeal? It's of the past. It's not really there in the present. Oh, we still go to church. We still do some things. When people look at our lives, they they don't see the same zeal and enthusiasm for the Lord that they once saw. Somewhere, we lost our commitments and we lost our shine for the Lord. You know, not only aren't we willing to, to die for the Lord anymore, we're not willing to live for him either. I mean, I, I, you know, I think of times I said, Lord, I'll die for you, I love you that much. And then he tells me in his way through the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to die for me, I want you to live for me, Steve. And that's what he wants for all of us. I mean, there may be a day that he may say, Jason, I want you to die, die for me today. This is a day you're going to bring me glory. And maybe Jason may have to give up his life to honor the Lord. But today, God is just telling every one of us, I want you to live for me. Today, I think of the people that have been here before, and I don't see them. And I know that many people, when you're in a church, there's going to be people that either want to quit or think about quitting or have already quit. It's the way of America, isn't it? I know some of us are just coasting along. No longer a pep in our step in our walk with Christ. But I have to tell you that God has specific blessings for every single one of you. That's a special blessing just for you if you don't quit. He holds new blessings and He desires to give them to every one of us if we would just come back to Him wholeheartedly. And only when we walk with the Lord will we or can we see His promises in our life again. I want to talk to to that person this morning that's going through through a really hard time. Maybe you're in a hopeless situation and no one knows it, but you do. Maybe you're really, really discouraged. A hopeless situation because of what your doctor said or, or because of whatever your circumstance is telling you. Brother Al battling dementia. I wouldn't want that on anybody. That's his battle. And we all have a battle that we're fighting right now, every one of us. A hopeless situation doesn't mean that God has left you just because things don't work out exactly like we planned them to. It doesn't mean that God isn't working in our life still, because he is. If we walk with him, he'll work with us. Whether we see it or not, he is working with us. And it's awesome when you finally get to see, oh, when God reveals it to you. And you get those aha moments when you finally get it. Whatever your situation is this morning, whether it's sickness, whether it's work-related, Whether it's family, whether it's spousal, whatever it is, I can tell you that God is at work if you follow him. I want each one here to look at someone and just say this. It isn't over until God says it's over. Some of you actually believe that when you say very good. The vision from Ezekiel 37 that I read, which is a vision that, that God showed Ezekiel, included dialogue between God and the prophet Ezekiel in the case of the valley of dry bones. Now, this valley, this, this uh, vision, the valley is really a cemetery, a graveyard, and it's in a valley and it's covered by dry bones the symbolism is of course of the people of israel whose hope has died and has been dead a long long time the situation of the dry bones no future nothing to look forward to just bones no body just bones No signs of life whatsoever, just bones. The Lord asked Ezekiel a question, and God is asking every one of us right now, today, about our situation. Can these dry bones live? Can the dry bones inside of you live? Can the areas in your life where you've given up or given away, can they still live? Can God, can God renew and take those dry bones in you and remake them into something new and holy and good and right? Ezekiel looks at the bones and says, No. No, no no, such possibility, Lord. Because Ezekiel realizes there's no human solution for this hopeless situation for these bones are very dry. And yet, Ezekiel still had the faith to say, Lord, you know, even though I don't know, And it's above any human to know, Lord, you know. In other words, Ezekiel's saying, Lord, my God, I can't. And that was with no thumb. Let Pastor Todd figure that one out. But he's saying, Lord, I can't, but you can. Why did he say that? I think it's because he he believed the situation is so out of our human comprehension. He sees that there's nothing any human ever in this world could do about it. Only something that an all-powerful creator could do. Now there are some situations which we face that human solutions will not work the only thing that will work is to listen and hear from the Lord God I bring this word of God to you this morning because every one of us need to know that it's not over until God says it's over Ezekiel hears from God and he receives instructions from God in verse 4 that he must prophesy. That he must speak to the dry bones now. Now think about this for a moment. Ezekiel, now picture this, Ezekiel has to go down to the graveyard in the valley and tell dead dry bones that God's word said It isn't over until God says it's over. Can you even picture that? Imagine that? I mean, we really have sometimes a hard time talking to our, our kids or our spouse. We're here talking to some dead, dry bones. I hope no one's watching me if we ever have to, right? Listen, the transformation and restoration all begin by hearing the word of God. The word was the beginning of the process that brings back the hopelessness that comes to life. Think back to when you were in a hopeless situation. Was it not the word of God that brought you back? you may be in a situation that looks hopeless. It may look like the end. It's just time to give up. It may look as if you're lost. Well, it doesn't matter what life looks like. The final outcome of everything and anything will come when God says it's over. Man will count you out. I still remember. I still remember after my brain surgery. I'm at 260 pounds now because I've been laying in in the bed for months and the doctor taking me to the doctor at SUMA, the head doctor, and him telling my dad and me as we sat there, I don't know, I'd give him maybe six months a year, it doesn't look good. And I remember my dad still this day crying all the way home. Because my dad's answer was, let's go get another doctor. Because maybe he'll say something different. And I remember saying to myself and my dad, hey, God knows how long he's got. He'll keep me here as long as he wants. And when it's over, it'll be over because God says it's over. I remember giving up one time after that. And guess what? I ran into? I ran into Diana. I'd given up. I was going through the motions. But because she's a good Christian woman, guess what she brought me? She brought me back Hope. That that even though I couldn't do the things I once did, I could do something. It doesn't matter what life looks like for you. The final outcome is when God says it's over. (laughs) How many times men have counted me out The enemy may tell you you've lost. Junior, you've been doing some stuff. How many times Satan attacked you lately? Quite a bit, hasn't he? Because he wants Junior to lose. He wants Junior to give up, as he does all of us. But the enemy's a liar. And that's all he tells us. even when the chance of victory looks almost impossible for us, it's not over till the Lord says it's over. Today it's time for us to be faithful unto the Lord. Why? Because God said Is it isn't over until I say it's over. Now if we look at verse 3 in, in, in uh, Ezekiel here, it says, He said to me, Son of man, Can these bones live? So I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. So we know, one, our turnaround comes from hearing God. Faith comes from hearing God and then doing what God tells us to do. Who's talking to you this morning? Which report do you believe? From the Lord, who wants to bless you and keep you, or from the enemy? Who wants to hurt you, harm you, lie to you, deceive you? And if we look at verse 4 again, it says, Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Words have power. The biggest lie told to us as kids, you know what the biggest lie told us as children? Children. Don't you care what Johnny says because words don't mean anything? But I have to tell you, there's adults today that are carrying the same hurt they got when they were seven when words were spoke to them and they're still in their heart and up here and the words won't won't go away. Words hurt or they can heal. So as Christians... We have the word of God. So, we know words have power, so we need to speak the word. We need to prophesy the word. We need to declare the word. We have the power, and it's in that book. Stay faithful unto the Lord. Why? Because it isn't over until God says it's over. God asked Ezekiel, To preach, to speak, to dry bones. But notice what happens when he preaches God's word to these bones. Again, verse 4 prophesy to your situation because they respond to prophecy. Every situation and circumstance have ears, and they are capable of responding to prophecy. What you cannot see, have ears. They may not have physical ears, but there are sure spiritual ears involved. Your situation awaits you. Your spirit, your situation awaits direction. And the Holy Spirit is telling you to prophesy the word, speak the word, declare the word, believe in the word. If you fail to do that, it will always remain dry bones. Nothing will happen. Nothing will grow. Nothing will change. But as soon as Ezekiel prophesied, the bones began to sort themselves out. As soon as Ezekiel prophesied, the bones began to sort themselves out. Stay faithful unto the Lord, because it ain't over. Until God says it's over. Now look at verse 7 here. It tells us that something is happening in the middle of the valley. There's a sudden noise. A rattling. Praise God. So I prophesized as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly rattling. And the bones came together. Bone to bone. The message of verse 7. Dry bones have ears. If only you can prophesy. Maybe you've never heard this before. Dry bones have ears. If only you can speak. Mountains have ears. If you can command. Money problems can hear if only you speak. Cancer, diabetes does have an ear if you can preach to them, when Ezekiel came face to face with dry, dead bones, he was asked to do only one thing. Why? Because even those dry bones had ears, even if they were dry and dead. The man at the of Bethesda thought was over because he couldn't make it in the water. Remember that? Laid there, never getting into the pool where miracles were supposed to happen. Thought it was over. But God didn't say it was over, and Jesus healed him. Everyone, everyone thought it was over when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. But guess what? God didn't say it was over. Nebuchadnezzar thought it was over for those three guys. Shadrach, remember him? Meshach, remember him? Remember Abednego? But guess what? God didn't say it was over for them. Job's wife thought it was over. She thought it was so over for her husband. What did she tell him to do? Curse God and die. But we know it happened. God did not say it was over. As I stand here this morning, I can tell you one thing. I have no idea what the future holds for me, for you, this church, anything. I know He wants it for His glory. but I stay with complete certainty that I know who holds the future. Of all of us, myself, the world, everything, his whole creation is God. When Moses think it's over, God asks, did I say it was over? Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It isn't over until God says it's over. A family can come back together. A church can come back together. A dream you felt from God a long time ago can come back, come to pass again. A business can come back together. A dream can come back together. A relation can come back together. Hope can come back together. If we just prophesy to those things. Why? Because God said it isn't over until I say it's over. So I would tell you to keep fighting. Stay faithful. Keep praying. Stay faithful. Keep fasting because it's not over. Keep pressing on. Keep moving because it's not over. Keep reading. Keep looking in that book. Keep studying that book. Live that book. Know that book. Stay faithful. Keep living. Keep giving. Keep going. Stay faithful. Stay faithful until the victory is won. The God who made a living army out of a pile of bones has the power to bring back so much dryness, so much dying in our lives. So don't give up. God can revive what seems like it's gone forever. He did it in Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones. He did it on that first Easter Sunday. He's done it countless, hopeless situations. He's done it over the centuries, over and over again. And you do it for each one of us too. So when you think you can't, remember he can. When you don't know what to do, please remember, he he doesn't just have the master plan, he is a master plan. Stay faithful. I'll never forget, Keith and I were Really close friends, his uh, youngest boy joined my youth group, and so of course keith uh doting father said, "I want to be a part of that as an adult and uh, we became close friends and about two years after he was in my youth group helping he developed cancer, and it was something it was treatable and he fought a good fight and still was able to do things with me and stuff and and uh his kid was a good kid. And then his other brother got old enough, like two years difference in age, he finally joined. So now it's awesome because my best friend, my best friend, his two kids now are there. And then the oldest one started to go the wrong way. He uh got in some drugs and and pretty soon was defiant toward his father and his mother and Picked on his little brother, and they finally lost him from the youth group completely. He was like 16. And his uh, younger brother, though, awesome, nice kid, and great pleasure to work with. Well, Keith's uh, cancer came back, and and we would often joke with each other wonder who'll go first, Steve? Will it be you or will it be me? And that's awesome. He always kidding me about. And um, I'll never forget the last couple months of his life because he told me that he just wished that his other boy would just have stayed in the youth group. And his biggest loss was was losing this child that there just wasn't a relationship with. And, And... he said, I, I think I could die if I knew he was being taken care of and if he had you in his life, and but he he doesn't, he doesn't want me in his life, he do not want anybody in his life, and, and so that's going to be a scary thing for a father, what, if you're a dad, right? Would that be kind of scary? And I'll never forget, uh, at some point they put him in the hospital, and uh, he ended up in hospice, and I'll never forget the, that last week in his life, and just getting close with him, and as he got weaker and stuff and just you know sitting there with his wife and his his mom was still alive and so just having the group people loved him and cared about him and yet every time I was there, I was there almost every day but every conversation I always steered around to this boy that was lost and his boy never came to visit him and And uh, we knew that this one day was going to be about the last day and so we're all around the bedside and, you know, we're just telling him how much we love him and stuff. And I knew this was the last day and so I left to go try to find his son and I found him and uh, I hadn't seen him in like three months and he really looked didn't look good. He he had, the streets had won out. And I told him his dad was dying and I said, that, you know, if you're ever going to see him, this is a time and no one's going to preach to you, no one's going to, you know, just come, come be here with your dad this last day or two. And as we got to the hospital, they didn't expect very long at all and we were sitting around the bed and stuff, and he's whispering now, but he's whispering to each person, like giving everybody a little bit of talk, and he asked me to watch his kids for him and and just be there however I could, and that he loved me and stuff and and then he talked to his kids and his of course he cried when his son was there and saw him and that, and they hugged and whatever but but as we uh were around the bed then. He turned to his kid, his youngest kid, said, Good night, Brendan. I love you. And he said, Steve, good night. I love you, buddy. Then he went to his wife and said, Honey, I love you, and I'll see you in heaven, and I, I love you more than life itself. But good night, honey. I'm just so tired. And he told his 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 mother, Good night, Mom. Thank you for what you did for me. And then there was his oldest son there. He said, Goodbye, Keith. I love you. And this kid who had turned into a punk by all means, start crying. He said, Dad, how can you tell me goodbye? You said goodnight to every person here, and yet you told me goodbye. His dad said, Son, I was able to say goodnight to everybody here because I know that I'll see them again. But I'm never going to see you again because you're not a follower. He'd start bawling. And that night, I'd say less than than eight minutes after he accepted Christ, his dad passed on. I'll never forget that. That boy today is a man, a father, and he's lived a life of being faithful. God wants us to be faithful until we're called.